1: angelic messenger and author, and I am here really excited today because I'm joined by not only a beautiful soul, an excellent human being, but a dear friend, and her name is Laura Farcioni, and she's a chemistry teacher, a counselor, and, and a spiritual being that brings into the world beautiful, beautiful light. So welcome, Laura, to the Enlightened conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us here today, and Laura came all the way to uh, to the studio here in Ballarat, so I'm really, really happy that you're able to join me here today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Pleasure indeed. Let's start by having a little conversation about, because we talk about enlightenment and we talk about this type of ascension and everybody wants to be up there rather than down here. And my first topic for us to kind of like uh, delve into a little bit more is how do you reconcile you being an educator and in particular a chemistry teacher with your spiritual beliefs how do they actually meet
0: well, I can have a pretty facetious answer to you um, in regards to the Big Bang Theory, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can if you want no, to. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but I guess so. it, it, it all began with my own um, family, um, and I guess the, being uh, raised as a Catholic girl, um, we obviously always talked scripture, or we talked and had, had a very active practice um, of our tradition. And the idea that we are sort of made in the image of um, of God. And it's not so much that we're made in the image as that I'm, you know, a man in, you know, yeah. of uh, Persian or um, Middle Eastern um, descent, but more the idea of that incarnate spirit, that, you know, we are love. And that, that's really the starting point when you interact with anybody, um, but also in particularly yeah. children.
1: But... I know because I've been an educator myself and you are just mentioning, we are love. What do you say to those educators out there to teach us, to parents that they're having a difficult time with their own um, children in their classrooms, with the children at home, with the one that it tells you, yeah, yeah, we're all love, but you know what? I don't want to be in your class. I don't like you.
0: Well, I guess you have to, um, you, you would be remiss if you don't um, try and get a bit of their story Mm. because i think their story is what's presented like i've got a a beautiful student that i'm working with currently who i just marked her test over the weekend and um she um, as i picked up her test on friday thursday she said to me oh that's a big fat zero that i got Mm. and i thought I just, and as I marked her work, her work wasn't the big fat zero, you know, mm. she's going to get a real pleasant surprise, but I've understood her story from the first moment she was in my class, she didn't want to be in my class, she hated science, I hate you, I hate the establishment, and, but in meeting her where she's at, recognising that she does have baggage, like we all do, and navigating with that baggage, she's got an amazing result, and I know that other teachers have uh, having a challenge with her, but they haven't, um, my sense would be without being in me on a pedestal that I'm mm-hmm. better or anything, because we're all one and the same. It's meeting her where she's at, recognizing and taking it on as a challenge. Like, yeah, you don't like science? Well, hey, what? guess what? I'm gonna make you like it. And journeying that story.
1: Okay. You are journeying the story or the journey of science. And as you know, Laura, science, we need validation, we need proof, we need to know that actually something exists. Yep. And it needs to have actually a physical form, and certain experts need to say, yes, now we actually give it the tick of approval, now that exists. So how do we reconcile that idea that we exist? Yes? I can touch you and I know that you're here next to me and you can do the same. What do we say then to people that to scientists around the world what? about creation and the creator? I'm not I'm not one to be called God because I think that we've got yeah. different definitions of God. Exactly. And I would like to call that entity the creator. So what do we say to people out there that they say, well, if I cannot see it, if I cannot touch it, it doesn't exist. And I know more or less what you want to tell me because I can feel it, but tell us. I
0: well, say so from, from a science viewpoint, when you conduct an experiment, sometimes you don't always get the result that we want. So, you know, it's about um, the opportunity to retry and retry and to, um, to re-meet um, mm-hmm. the opportunity each time. So, and encouraging... Um, encouraging That it's okay to not have all the answers but to always instinctively go with how you feel.
1: And isn't that the true fact of the creator because Mm. you were you were saying at the beginning we are all one and we are all love and isn't the creator within all of us? Isn't the creator within you and isn't you that person that it goes through the trials and tribulations, yes. creating your own destiny, Absolutely. creating your own pathway, and deciding yep. how that light is going to shine. Yes, exactly.
0: And that's the beauty of education. Like, I, I, I'm a big believer that I have the best job in the world because I work with the future every day. And it's the future in terms of um, not holding the space that they know that they can give things a go, that they may, may not work this time, but keep going and keep keep working through the mud. and you'll get there eventually and what i've found more so in the last few years working with um 16 17 year olds you know they've got they've got all the tools they've already got all the tools they don't need to be um told they want to be meditating they want to be in mindfulness they want to be um holding crystals or doing those things it's so innate it's not even something that they need to go and find like it finds them um but one of the things I've found is the, um this whole idea of they they are, are scared of failure, or they've been indoctrinated with some, you know, they need a big number at the end of their studies or something, yeah. and that is I find their biggest challenge, and and being able to allow them to navigate that, mm. that's a real uh, that's a real honour.
1: Mm. Not to throw you off, but no. that somebody saying speak up a little bit, Laura. Oh, okay. Um, so project your voice. Um, you were talking about this new generation and i call them our little rainbow warriors mm-hmm. uh, these kids that uh, they're coming with a new sense of who they are and what they bring into the world they're not they're not shy uh they are happy to shine their light and they're actually at this point in time 2019 and i don't want to get political because this is not the the enough? forum but if we have a look around the world Uh, young people are rising up, and young people are saying, enough, no more, listen to what we have to say, because what we have to say is honest and is real.
0: I I think um, that they need to be encouraged to do that. I think um, they, my sense is, as, as I was saying earlier, they already have the tools, they're already well connected, they need the people, they need to find educators, they need to find in their parents, in their own peers, in inspiring actors or actresses or literature that they're reading, the courage to navigate the dark, but always to be voicing how they feel and to feel safe in that expression of themselves. And Mm. that's the art, like Mm. to feel safe. You know, I can give you an example of in a classroom that transpires in a workplace that can go to, in a family situation, having the courage to give it a go even if it's not perfect the first time and you know and that they and seeing that their their peers are that they're all navigating you know this stressful you know uprising or time but as a collective they are. They. They've got all the answers to the world. Like, um, how to how to go. Like, we th- should be inspired by the young people in America who are rising up mm. an example against arms. Um, if that's not inspiring and not showing us that it's a great time to be alive, I'm not sure. You know. You know. I'm not sure. There's other evidence out there currently.
1: No, and I guess that the evidence is actually quite clear, particularly with that example that you just gave. Um, but my question still remains is these people are coming with all that knowledge these young people are rising up they're speaking up but then they're encountering this mighty brick wall that is saying no and we're going to give you a solution but the solution is kind of like a non-solution whatsoever and uh, how are we going to be able to change or to open up those people's minds to listen but to listen with the heart mind rather with their brain
0: that's a big question raul i'm not sure that um i'm not sure that i got the answer anyone has the answer but at this time at this point in time but i think it's about um our Educators, where, and, and parents, I think the education um, has to also encapsulate parenting, because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as a teacher, we receive, you know, um, children who are exposed to a certain culture and or in a family value set. Um, and sometimes the classroom is the only place where the stu- student may be able to shine their light. So having more educators who are open themselves uh, show a more trusting way to express themselves. Like, if I was a closed educator, then they would know, well, you know, Laura's not the person that I could be speaking to about X, Y and Z. But when you're a bit more open, they recognise that, um, you know, that you can have that conversation and you can be given the courage, I guess, to shine your light.
1: But I guess that we need to change, in my personal and professional view, the educational system. Absolutely. Because, um, well, looking at my, mm-hmm. my certificates and my degrees here from, uh, from Melbourne University, but I'm just thinking, I still remember writing my thesis and at one point in time thinking, oh, this sentence I wrote here is me. It's how it defines me. It's my own personal idea, my thought. And I remember my supervisor saying until you graduate and you got all these letters behind your name other people are going to say there's no such a thing as an original thought you need to back it up with literature that's why I probably disliked with a passion creating a full chapter of my thesis that is called as you know a literature review that's right. where you need to actually have investigated people's work in order to support and to elevate your own opinion because you are not allowed academically to have your own voice. So the system that is trying to bring you education and to rise you up to a new level at the same time is pushing you down saying don't have an original thought unless you can prove it.
0: But isn't it, as you were saying that I thought, well, really good educators Teachers, to for a better word at this primary or secondary, are the people who are the literature review. We're the ones who should be saying, "Yeah, ha- keep going. Do your, you know, ha- is that what you believe? All right, well then let's go and explore that. We need to be the academic literature review that supports and validates their idea."
1: Yes, but the issue still remains that when they get to university, they get shut down. Yeah, and and those at that level. Those are the ones, I had, I had amazing thesis supervisors at Melbourne University and I had amazing teachers in there, but I've also had some other teachers that were not quite amazing, like in any educational That's place. Right. But the question still remains as an institution if we talk tertiary level. Well, yes? Yes. Let's not talk university, let's talk tertiary level. That to me still remains, we're well, still testing people. Yes. And the only thing that we're doing is measuring memory.
0: And Yes, that's
1: right. We're not truly measuring application. No. We're not, we're not making those tests available to certain individuals that perhaps they're more kinesthetic or whatever they may be their way of learning. Absolutely. Testing is testing. You're going to a room with 300 people, you've got three hours to answer 10 questions and then you get out.
0: I mean, we, we have to say governing bodies in Victoria I mean, nationally are trying to make it more applicatory. Mm. So in some disciplines that holds more true at the secondary yeah. level. But if we take, say, primary um, students, you know, you're right. absolutely right. Is It's mass testing. Where are you at? Show me where you are in progression to the average person, all these normed values. Um, But until tertiary changes its view, it becomes very, very Because otherwise
1: we're training those teachers to come into the classroom and do that. Absolutely. And my issue, and for those of you that you're watching at the moment, you're thinking, okay, is this an enlightened conversation (laughs) or educational program? Well, you know what? It's both. Because at the end of the day, in order to be enlightened and to have that power to be able to shine your light. We cannot kill those young people's souls because that's what we're doing with the current educational system. We're not allowing them to fly high, to be individual, but also to be part of the one. We're simply saying it's just, okay, you're part of the five top percent. Well, that doesn't allow me to be an individual either.
0: But I you know and we're not doing a pro and, um, pro and against but um, one of the things that is a real blessing to our um, young um, people in today's world is that there are so many options to get around to get to your final destination so you know obviously in teaching chemistry I have lots of students who are aiming really high whether that be medicine or pharmaceutical sciences or engineering you know and that's their goal that's their end point and, you know, that holding the space for the kid who says to you, but I'm not good enough, I can't get over 90, you know. So therein lies the the um, holding the space and saying, no, well, do your best, go your highest, try your hardest, and then always another door.
1: There is always another door and try your hardest and be who you want to be because I remember saying to my grandmother, my late grandmother, um, you know what? I want to be a citizen of the world and I became one but I became one through education Um, Although I talk perhaps a little harshly about tertiary education It's only through passion because I love what I do. I love my time at Melbourne University I spent 10 years in that university learning teaching helping um, But you know what I never fit the mold Mm -hmm. my thesis was about hotel housekeeping I did whole research and a thesis on cleaning a room and making a bed and helping housekeepers achieved and my thesis supervisor was saying in the history of this university nobody has ever tackled such as vocational education yes. presented in a tertiary level and to me that was so important um, later on in my career in the year 2000 which is 18 a years ago now <laughs> um, i ended up winning the vice chancellor's award for teaching excellence at victoria university and the speech that I gave when I received that award, it started by me saying, not bad for a housekeeper. Why? Because my career started cleaning public toilets and vacuuming carpets, and I became an academic. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Even in those days when I was traveling around and I was in my finest suit, I was able to walk into a hotel in training, take my jacket off, sleep up, and show somebody how to clean a toilet. Because my grandma said to me, never forget where you came from. And I never did. I became, like somebody said, you are my only student that actually traveled the world, did all this, and achieved academic excellence. But you know what? You haven't forgotten that you used to clean toilets. So what you said about finding your pathway, for those of you out there, for those of you that you're watching and you may have children, if they are cleaning a toilet today, that doesn't mean that tomorrow they cannot be the academics of the future. Because I'm an example, and so is Laura. Absolutely.
0: I was just as you were saying that. I was sharing my experience of you know my U12 equivalent and then going to university. I would never have dreamed that I'd have a Masters of Education from Melbourne. Uh, university as well role and um, knowing that the doors that that's open for me the amazing um, educators that I met there who are in the forefront of changing the way we are going to educate our children um, there is amazing um, hope um, and we should be it's an amazing time to be alive Um, and you know I'm a believer it will change it will change
1: (laughs) no but I think that it will change but also we need to be the creators of the change we need to because i know that we're not at all but we're the older generation of educators and if we remain with an open mind there is hope as we grow older that we have that open mind and that open heart and that we will encourage other educators that they're coming right behind us to say you know what i'm older than you but i'm still with this huge open mind To listen to these kids that are coming in with a new set of knowledge, skills, and that sense of that they know that they are a soul living human experience. Absolutely. It took us all these years to do that. Absolutely. But they are already there. They're
0: already aware. They're already very aware. Yeah. I mean, the kind of dialogue you can have with um, a switched on uh, teenager, (laughs) can or let alone a little five-year-old, you know, that can blow your mind with the insight that they have. Um, so they, they definitely come different nowadays.
1: <laughs> no, but also, uh, I was just reading comments and Michelle was saying, yes, yeah, sometimes we blocked out the, we make tax borrowings and we, we forget about the mindfulness. Yes, oh, absolutely. To teach people. And Paula is there, hi, Paula, saying beautiful and a heart." And Michelle was just saying, me too, I was cleaning toilets as a 13. But that's, that's something that it gives us a starting point and and i remember um, you need to clean those toilets to the best of your abilities so somebody pays attention and gives you a chance to move forward and to do something else my first university degree was paid by the company that i was working for because they saw potential and they gave me a chance so for those kids out there don't be discouraged Don't be discouraged if you didn't get 95.9% to get into your outer score to get into university because as Laura was saying, you got other avenues. But keep on nourishing your soul because that's what's going to make you a true enlightened person and professional that will be able to understand that, yes, we're a soul living a human experience, living in this community, in this world, but we can also understand that by feeding and nurturing our soul, we are gonna create a different society.
0: I know you tap on a beautiful point there that when you journey the road less traveled, it's the end is so much sweeter because there's so much growth um, behind you. it is is truly amazing but I mean I have to say every day in a classroom I I am I always wonder like what was I like at that age (laughs) I had no idea or clue these kids are just so awake and uh, we need to start listening. And um, our teaching model needs to change. change. Not only are we talking about tertiary and pathways, but even with our little is you know, inquiry-based. Like, it's very daunting as an educator in the 21st century to think that the jobs that the kids that I am teaching today don't actually even exist. No, like, correct. And, uh, you know, that always, uh, that always blows my mind. And, yeah. You know, uh, it's...
1: I would like to acknowledge at this point in time certain childcare centers and kindergartens that I am aware um, that they're actually doing mindfulness with little kids. They've got five, ten minutes of quiet time and meditation. Uh, in some um, childcare centers, I know of one that they're doing yoga. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And,
1: and not because the teachers want to do it, because they have the idea and they want to do it, but the kids are actually thoroughly involved.
0: Well, it, absolutely, and it's, um, it's important, it's important in a world where we are information saturated. You know, we're screen. there's too much screen time, you know, we can go on and on about that. Um, and that's a very personal journey for families and for educators um, and, you know, all sitting in a construct of a school and mm. the pressures around, you know, having, um, ipads and laptops and all of the you know apps that are about um and to make this teaching accessible to the young um but yeah it's absolutely
1: amazing i'm i'm always being the stick in the mud and the old (laughs) one out because 20 years ago i was at victoria university and i had a group that was probably the most quiet and shyest of them all and i remember for one of my sessions, I talked to my boss and I said, listen, I'm happy to give up part of my wage for that session to hire a drama teacher. I want a drama teacher to come in and not to teach them to be actors, to really do exercises that will get them talking, but it's somebody that I will step away from the class. I will not be there. I'll be watching in the corner from behind the curtain. She's talking. <laughs> in the, in the, Yes, just in the outside because I wanted my students to really become outspoken because they were being trained to be in an industry in hospitality where you need to be outspoken, you need to be out there, you need to present well mm-hmm. deportment, the way that you look, people will judge you. And this was this was the shyest group ever. And teachers some teachers were giving up. Some walked in into meetings saying, These people cannot be teached. Cannot be taught, they cannot be trained. And I thought, oh my God, I have to do something. Because yes, they can. We haven't got the tools. And that's what I have against some educators and teachers when they just give up. Well, it's not about you, it's about them. So if you haven't got the tools, open up your mind. Think outside the square and think, how am I going to tap into their soul to bring out that essence that is within them all? And that teacher did that for me. And the students loved it. Not only they loved it; that my boss said we should actually do that with all of the groups.
0: It's an interesting point, but again, it it highlights the point about meeting the student and meeting the need. So, you know, in my other hat, when I'm a special ed uh, stu- uh, special education uh, educator, it's meeting. That's sort of the primal rule: meet the student where they're at, because they will tell you whether it's through the tantrum whether it's through the behaviours, whether it's through um, the the tears, they will tell you where they need you to meet them and what their need is and you provide. You know, I'm a bit, um, I don't like the term facilitator in education, I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to that, but um, a part of educating is to facilitate, allow access
1: in. Sure, but uh, yeah, the verb facilitate to facilitate is a totally different thing. Yes, I know what you mean about facilitating, because facilitating is in a meeting. Absolutely. Yes. Um, when You are a facilitator when you're actually bringing people together to talk about a specific topic. When you are in an education environment, what you are doing is just, yes, educating, but facilitating, uh, utilizing the facilitation as a tool, That's right. not as a medium. That's exactly right. Exactly yeah, so,
0: no. So definitely, um, oh, I think it's an exciting time <laughs> to be alive. Um, and we've got so much to learn from our students, I, th- I think that. But all of the points that you've raised is imperative that educators need to be reflective. They need to be reflective. Um, I think like, like parenting, it needs to be reflective.
1: Um, I used to have a group of educators working with me that we agree that we will go into each other's classrooms. Yeah,
0: that's definitely something we
1: do. And uh, and that and the idea of not being offended absolutely by what the other person saw, because to you, you may look really well, and you're doing all the things in your mind, and you got your session plan, but when somebody's sitting at the back of the classroom, non-threatening, absolutely. because we knew, we agreed to do that, and they're taking notes, you don't pay attention, and then they sit down with you, and... It's like watching at a videotape of you. Absolutely. They're giving you their perception. So it's their idea, okay, fine. Yeah, that's a good point. And I didn't realize.
0: Well, I've got the same currently. I'm, I've got a student teacher. So that's on a totally different level because they're so um, seeking you as the guru. Of, <laughs> and I just, Or they wanted to show you sure, that they know it. <laughs> exactly right. Um, and But one of the things that... Um, what I've understood is a sh- very big shift in education is the whole idea of scaffolding. Yes. Like you know that's be- It's a very word we throw around, but you know scaffolding. It's the building blocks. It's the building blocks, and um, and it- it's a word that can, um, you know, transpire into lots of different arenas, and so, so too in spirituality, because mm. every every um, every dark moment is a you know a scaffold to the light. Mm. moving more
1: and more into the light. And to use another education term or terminology is um, the underpinning knowledge. Absolutely. Because that's your your baseline. It's your
0: starting block.
1: Yeah, but then uh, there will be another underpinning knowledge as you're moving on the scaffolding. Absolutely. So it's, it's the same. It's that idea that if that initial scaffold is not strong enough, you keep on building that somewhere along the line is going to collapse absolutely. and and it all boils down to all of us not only to the educators to the parents to society to the way that we behave absolutely and um, the idea that sometimes here in ballarat we see eight nine years old uh, going on a scooter by themselves in the middle of the streets and and doing jumps and whatever they're doing and you think where are the parents yeah. never mind that they're going to run into me what happens to those little souls yeah. that no one's actually taking care of them when they're going to cross the street on this scooter?
0: what's well, about, um, you know, lots, lots of thinking around it. school will fix everything.
1: <laughs> and it can't be because can't. society is bigger than the school.
0: Absolutely. But, you know, our curriculums are jammed because of it. That's the unfortunate part. So sometimes the things like mindfulness and yoga have to take a back seat to all of the political and other societal pressures. I,
1: I, I know, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I've always refused. Um, mm. Even in my hospitality law classes, 10 minutes before the class we'd meditate. Yeah, I'm
0: a bit of a believer of that too. So I know one of my practices with, you know, and I won't use too much jargon um, in terms of when a student is about to sit a big test or a big assessment um, piece that they need to complete, I always bring them back into themselves. And I know I have a real um, privilege. I work with um, year 12 students and they, um, I get to see them every morning and I know that, meditation we do in the morning, it might be four minutes, it might be eight minutes, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. But it sets them up and one of the things that I've also brought them back to doing is to set an intention. I think we have we have to start to understand that we are creators and it all comes with our intention. Yes. Yeah.
1: And intent is in everything because even if you were in a in a troubled situation in front of a judge the judge will actually judge your intent to commit that crime so if we talk about crime why don't we talk about creating something beautiful with intent Mm. sorry michelle just put a message here imagine how many enlightened conversations we will create with our children if we met them at their map of the world and we were reflective
0: oh absolutely couldn't have summed it up better myself (laughs) yeah it's part and parcel you know and our our students um you know like many schools use restorative practices it was something that was trans um transferred from the legal system into the educative system um and and that that if restorative is done well that's when a child is in conflict with another and they can both go away and be reflective um it's amazing what's shifted so Whether you're an educator, whether you're a participant in a classroom, whether you're a parent, um, reflection is is imperative because it informs this next step.
1: But I think that if you are a parent, something that you can do when you go to your parent-teacher night Mm. is to actually inquire, what are you doing about mindfulness? What are you doing about looking after my child's well-being from a soul point of view because the more that parents actually have that conversations with teachers the more that teachers will actually take that into the staff rooms and from the staff rooms into the meeting with the so-called leadership team uh, in order to start thinking well if parents are asking them and if parents are bringing these questions about mindfulness, about spirituality, why aren't we tapping into it? Absolutely. It's like 20 years ago, uh, trying to claim in your health insurance acupuncture wasn't heard of. That's now right. it's the norm. So things will shift. Absolutely,
0: and, and hold your light. We keep, We say that, we yes. throw it around, hold your light. You know, parents know their child best. So you can be amazing advocates for your children. But, you know, as a parent, as a, um, a non-parent, but a teacher in an um, in interview setting, definitely we, we're starting to get more and more of those questions and more and more of those questions to different departments within schools that are yes. responsible for looking after that. Um, it's, it's, yeah. and
1: becoming, if you, it's here. <laughs> yes, and, and hold the conversation. If you meet a parent, a friend of yours that has a child, or you meet a friend that you haven't seen for a long time and suddenly they're holding the hand, or a five-year-old, yes? And many, many people that I know will go to the person holding the hand, the adult, so how old is he? And I usually say, talk to him.
0: That's right, absolutely. Why
1: don't you just say to the child, hi, nice to meet you, my name is, and how old are you? Why do you need to talk over the child when the child is able to actually answer back absolutely
0: no you can have some as as michelle's point out you can have some riveting conversations with young people i mean i know i'm really blessed i've got nephews so the kind of conversations that we have i just i just giggle i think where where do they come from they're teaching (laughs) me more than i could ever impart you know last night i was i taught my um, the middle nephew um he was jumping on the trampoline and I said to him, I used to love doing this trick on the trampoline. How about you give it a go? And I just held the space for him. He had it nailed in like four minutes and but it was about holding the space. Meet him where he's at, do all the positive groundwork, the you can do it, I'm getting a bet you can do it. And it happened in four or five minutes later.
1: I'm not sure how we're going with time. we're probably probably over time because yeah we got limited time today however I just want to finish up with that phrase just to leave you all with this beautiful phrase that Laura just mentioned why don't we meet each other where we are at what is it that we're trying to change and what are we trying to what is our intention what is it that we're trying to do and what are we trying to impart and remember that what goes around comes around. So you might as well send love because love will actually be returned to you. So but when you're talking to young people, whether you're a parent, an educator, a friend, don't, be, don't try and point the finger, don't try and be too judgmental. No. Just meet them where they're at
0: a great formula. Yeah, but As a chemist, it's a balanced formula. It's a balanced
1: formula. There you have it. You heard it from the chemist herself. Miss <laughs> Chemistry herself. No. Laura, thank you so much you. for taking the time not only to come to Ballarat, but to be here with us on Enlightened Conversations.
0: It's always beautiful to talk, Raoul. Thank, thank you so you. much. Hopefully, um, someone listening, um, there was something that you can take away from that. So.
1: Uh, there will be many, many more people listening later on on replay and we'll encourage you to have that conversation with the, the young people in your life, encourage them to do well in society, but encourage them to, to, to be mindful and be mindful yourself on how you actually talk to them and, as Laura was saying, shine your light. Uh, until we see you next time. Please remember, believe in angels because they do believe in you. And I would like to take this opportunity not only to thank Laura again, but to say thank you to my sponsors, uh, Lightworker Foundation and White Light Publishing House. Thank you so much. Many blessings. Bye for now.